We are live. This is the JF Media. This is the JAEF Media Show. Welcome once again. It's another privilege for us to be connected and to uh, get to grow in another dimension of our lives. Before I forget, my name is Calvin Kavanda, and I am your host for today. <clears throat> this is episode five of our book study. The title of the book is Healing for Damaged Emotions by David A. Simmons. As I like to always find out, how are you doing today? My brother, my sister, my friend, how are you doing today? And if, for whatever reason, at whatever juncture you decide to hit exit at any time during this broadcast, I pray that the Spirit of God will follow you on your way out. And whatever is causing you grief will be turned around by faith, I believe. I like to always start off in prayer, in quick prayer, because we are venturing out in spiritual terrain, and who better than the Holy Spirit to be our tour guide? Who better than the Holy Spirit to blaze the trail for us in the next, uh, however long you and I will be seated here talking and diving into some spiritual truth? So, Father... Once again, thank you for this privilege and honor to be seated under the shadow of your wings. Your word is truth. It's our shield and buckler. So, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit will be manifested mightily on this broadcast. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, I invite you into this atmosphere. I ask that you attach your power, your authority, your presence to the frequency of this airing of these airwaves. I also ask that you create a canopy, a shield around my brother, my sister, my friend, whoever is listening to these, wherever they are. I believe that these are not, you have the power to do that. That as we fellowship, as we get to dive into the spiritual truths, that our eyes will be open to see, our ears will be open to hear, and our, and our hearts will be open to receive this engrafted word with meekness that is able to save all souls. And it is in Jesus' precious, mighty, mighty, wonderful name that we do pray. Amen. The name above all. The name of our soon coming King. Amen. So, healing for damaged emotions. Wow. What a journey it's been. I like to always... Uh, because I never know what part someone might stumble upon this video in episode 5. And so I will quickly uh, do a quick uh, overview about the book and a quick recap of the last episode and off we go. So 
this book is interesting. When I first received this book, I despised it. Apologies, Holy Spirit. I was doing a book exchange with a friend, and a friend came by and gave him a book. So he kept pestering me and asking me if I'd read his book. And I put it down and I said, ah, well, I don't want to lie to the guy that I'm reading it when I'm not. So let me at least open it, read a chapter, and then I just message him and say, I am reading it. Forget about it. Why? I don't need to talk about my emotions. My emotions are not done. What are you telling? Give me something stronger. Give me some of that binding, loosing, and casting out demons. You know, give me some real spiritual warfare. That was my mindset. I'm just being honest with you. And boy, did it rock me. It gripped me. Um, I love authors, movies, or anything that just honors your time. And I'm not saying give me the highlights. Give me all the action at the beginning. But he got my attention at the beginning of the book. I didn't have to get to page 60 to finally go like, okay, I think I know what he's talking about. So I started reading it. And so he says, events in our lives. Let me start with one of the, this is the back cover. Your past doesn't have two hearts, your present. It says, events in our lives, both good and bad, form rings in us like the rings in a tree. This is what God. Each ring records memories that affect our feelings, our relationships, and our thoughts about God. <clears throat> in this classic work, David Simmons encourages us to live compassionately with ourselves as we allow the Holy Spirit as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to heal our past, as he helps us name shadows in our lives, such as guilt, poor self-worth, and perfectionism, he shows us how we can find freedom from our pain and enjoy the abandoned life God wants for us. Well, the forward. When the healing of memories became a popular became a popular topic years ago, a psychologist friend gave me good advice. Listen to the recording of David Simmons. It's concise, biblical, and the clearest statement that anyone has given on this topic. Dr. Simmons has since expanded his early ideas into a book that blends clear biblical theology, solid psychology, and practical common sense. The author writes about anger, guilt, depression, inferiority, perfectionism. That constant and all-pervading feeling that we are never good enough. Then he takes us to the heart of lingering emotional pain and shows us how we can find permanent freedom from our inner turmoil and damaged feelings. This book avoids simplistic answers, pierced condemnation, and confusing jargon. Instead, Dr. Simmons writes with compassion, graciousness, and understanding, all interspersed, interspersed with bright humor and warm anecdotes about real people. Here's the gentle sharing of a sensitive pastor who is equally at ease in, impar in imparting 
biblical truths and counseling trouble and searching people. Hallelujah. <clears throat> okay. Again, bear with me. If you've had these over and over, I'm just doing it for the sake of someone who might tune in to just run on lips of fire. I got to give them a backdrop of where we are, but I'll be as fast as I can. All right. He says, early on in my personal experience, I discovered that I was failing to help two groups of people through the regular ministries of the church. Their problems are not being solved by the preaching of the word, commitment to Christ, feeling of the spirit, prayer, or the sacraments. I saw one group being driven into futility and loss of confidence in God's power. While they desperately prayed, their prayers about personal problems didn't seem to be answered. They tried every Christian discipline, but with no results. As they played the same old cracked record of their defects, the needle would get stuck in repetitive emotion, emotional patterns. While they kept up the outward observances of praying and paying and professing, they were going deeper and deeper into disillusionment and despair. That was the first group. They kept seeing themselves fall back in a cycle. The same defects. The needle will come around. They'll think this is the year that the Lord has made and it's going to, and something would happen. The record will get stuck because there was a crack in the record. So the pin, as a record would spin, as uh, if you've seen a CD, as it spins like this, the record gets stuck in that crack. Okay. It was a defect in the emotions. They didn't know it. I saw another group moving towards phoniness. These people were repressing their inner feelings and denying that anything was lacking was seriously wrong because Christians can't have such problems. Instead of facing their problems, they covered them with a veneer of scripture verses, theological terms, and unrealistic platitudes. The denied problems went underground only to let it reappear in all manner of illnesses, eccentricities, terribly unhappy marriages, and sometimes even in the emotional destruction of their children. Okay. During this time of discovery, God showed me that the ordinary ways of ministering would never help some problems. And he began to enable me to open up my heart to personal self-discovery and to new depths of healing love through my marriage, my children, and intimate friends. God then led me to enlarge my pastoral ministry to include special care and prayer for damaged emotions and unhealed memories. In the 20 years that I've been teaching, preaching, counseling, and distributing recordings on the subject, I have heard from thousands of formerly defeated Christians who have found release from emotional hangups and who have experienced the healing of crippling memories of the past. Wow. That is... Okay. Here's the deal. I always want to read this part because this always sets the gateway for us. The problem. Over the years, letters and testimonies from across the world have confirmed that there is a realm of problems that requires a special kind of prayer and a deeper level of healing by the Spirit. 
somewhere between our sins on one hand and our sicknesses on the other lies an area scripture calls infirmities. Well, now watch this. He's telling us most Christians, he's telling us these three areas. He says, on one hand, we're dealing with sins. On another hand, we're dealing with sicknesses. But in the middle there, there's also another area of a, 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 a broken nature in uh, a, an area in our fallen nature as human beings called infirmities. In fact, if we go to Isaiah 53, you see that. In Isaiah 53, we see that being spoken about. So let me just go there. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 to 5, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. It says, He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Now, other translations have I like this one. It says, yet it was our, it says, in, in, in another it says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. And then it comes and says, he was pierced for our, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. So, these three areas, categories that we see in scripture there, that Christ's healing balm of Gilead or redemption actually ministered for he took the, in one he says pain, suffering, and then he comes out and says transgressions and iniquities. Those are the sins area. Pain and suffering. Now that's in the uh, sicknesses area. But in other translations, it actually also says. <clears throat> In the Amplified, it says, but in fact, he has borne our griefs. That's one area. He has carried our sorrows and pains. That's another area. Then it says, yet we ignorantly assume that he was stricken, struck down by God, and degraded and humiliated by him. Then it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Okay? He was crushed for our wickedness. Our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required for our well-being fell on him, and by his stripes his wounds were healed. Now, then he comes again and says in another translation, um, in another translation, let me find it here. It says, surely he has borne our griefs. Then it says, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. You see that? 
there's an area, there's three areas here. He just said, in our fallen nature, there's three areas where we need redemption. He said, on one side, we, we needed redemption from our sins. On, on another side, we have an area of sicknesses. But there's also an area in between that he's saying are infirmities, weaknesses. That's that's that that's the area we're dealing with. So if you if you read the I like the Amplified Classic, it shows you this. It says, "Surely he has borne our griefs," and it lifts it it it, it mentions three different kinds of griefs. It says sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. Sickness, weakness, distress, and carried our sorrows and pains. You see, it separates them. Some of them he has borne, others he carries, and others he is wounded for. He, he pays the price for. My goodness. He says he has carried our sorrows and pains. It puts them in their own category. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. Then he says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. You see, now that's the area of sins. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. So he's coming in here and saying, most times, as Christians, we don't realize that we need a special kind of prayer into our infirmities. Areas of our weaknesses, our distresses. That's what he's saying. And he says we can explain this area of infirmities as using this illustration. And he's saying if you visit the United States, you will see the beautiful giant sequoia and redwood trees. In most of the parks, the naturalists can show you a cross-section of a great tree they have cut. And they will point out that the rings of the tree reveal the developmental history year by year. Here is a ring that represents a year when, the, when there was terrible drought. Here are a couple of rings from years when there was too much rain. Here's where the tree was struck by lightning. Here are some normal years of growth. This ring shows a forest fire that almost destroyed the tree. Here's another of savage blight and disease. Hmm. All of this lies embedded in the heart of the tree representing the autobiography of its growth. That's the way it is with us. Just a few thin layers beneath the protective bark, the concealing protective mask, are recorded rings of our lives. These are scars of ancient, painful hearts, as when a little boy rushed downstairs one Christmas, one Christmas dawn and discovered in his Christmas stocking a dirty old rock put there to punish him for some trivial boyhood naughtiness. This scar 
has eaten away at him, causing all kinds of, of interpersonal difficulties. Here, here is the discoloration of a tragic stain that muddied all of life. As years ago, behind the barn or in the haystack or out in the woods, a bigger brother took a little sister and introduced her to the mysteries. No, the mysteries of sex. And here we see the pressure of a painful repressed memory of running after an, al an alcoholic father who was about to kill the mother and then rushing for the butcher knife. Such scars have been buried in pain for so long that they are causing heart and rage that are inexplicable. And these scars are not touched by conversion and sanctifying grace or by the ordinary benefits of prayer. In the rings of our thoughts and emotions, the record is there. The memories are recorded and all are alive. And they directly and deeply affect our concepts, our feelings, and our relationships. They affect the way we look at life and God, at others and ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. He goes on to say, my goodness, um, we preachers have often given people the mistaken idea that the new birth and being filled with the Spirit of God are going to automatically take care of these emotional hangups. But this just isn't true. A great crisis experience of Jesus Christ as important and eternally valuable as this is, is not a shortcut to emotional health. It is not a quickie cure for personality problems. It is necessary that we understand this first of all so that we can compassionately live with ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work with special healing in our own hearts and confusion. We also need to understand this in order to not judge other people too harshly but to have patience with their confusing and contradictory behavior. In so doing, we will be kept from unfairly criticizing and judging fellow Christians. They're not fakes, phonies, or hypocrites. They're people like you and me, hurts and scars, wrong programming that interferes with their present behavior. All right. Yes. And then I like this. This is the last one. And then we keep going. <clears throat> Understanding that salvation does not give instant emotional health offers as an important insight into the doctrine of sanctification. It is impossible to know how Christian a person is merely on the basis of his outward behavior, his or her outward behavior. Isn't it true that by their fruits you shall know them? Matthew 7.20 Yes, but it is also true that by their roots you shall understand and not judge them. Wow. So we've gone through a lot of things. Uh, we spoke about the evidence of damaged emotions. Um, one of the most common is a deep sense of unworthiness, a continuous feeling of anxiety, inadequacy, inferiority, an inner nagging that says I'm not good enough. I'll never mount anything. No one could ever, ever possibly love me. Everything I do is wrong. We went through that one. There was another one, the perfectionist complex. Um, yeah. 
There was the perfectionist complex, um, super sensitivity, being super sensitive, fear. That was a bad one. Um, <clears throat> the f- super sensitive are those people that they've been hurt deeply, they reached out for love and approval and affection, but instead got the opposite. They have the scars deep inside of themselves. Sometimes they might see other people, they might see things that other people don't see and they tend to feel things that other people don't feel. So um, that was another evidence that you have damaged emotions. Deep sense of unworthiness, perfectionist complex, super sensitivity. Super sensitive people need a lot of approval. You can never quite give them enough. And sometimes they seem very sensitive, very insensitive. They've been hurt so badly that instead of becoming sensitive, they cover it by being hard and tough. They even want to get even and hurt others. So quite unbeknown to them, they spend their lives pushing people around and hurting and dominating them. They use money or authority or position or sex or even sermons to help people. <clears throat> the other evidence of damaged emotion that we looked at was fears. These are people who are filled with fears. Perhaps the greatest of all is the fear of failure. These damaged persons are so afraid of losing the game of life that they simply that they have a simple way out. They never get into the game or they just sit on the sidelines. They say, I don't like the rules. I don't care for the referee. The ball isn't quite round. The goals are not right. And he gave the example of the salesman who said, <clears throat> I remember some years ago talking with a salesman in the used car lot. As we looked out of the showroom window, we saw a man who was going around kicking tires on the cars. He was also raising the hoods and banging the fenders. The salesman said disgustedly, Look, look at the guy out there. <laughs> He's a wheel kicker. They are the bane of our existence. They come in here all the time, but never buy cars because they can't make up their minds. Now watch him out there. He's kicking the tires. He'll say the wheels are out of line. He'll listen to the motor and say, hear that knock. Nobody else can hear the knock, but he can hear it. Something is always wrong. He's afraid to choose. He can never make up his mind. So he always finds an excuse. Life is filled with will kickers, people who fear failure and fear making the wrong decision. That was a beautiful episode that we had. I believe it was episode three, where we watched some even personal experiences when I used to be a will kicker. <laughs> An indecisive. And the Lord delivered me from that. <clears throat> um, people who fear failure and fear making the wrong decision. What happens to such people as they approach the Christian life? Believing is a great risk. It is very hard. Decisions tear them up. Faith comes hard. Witnessing is difficult. Launching out of the Holy Spirit and really surrendering to God is almost a trauma. Discipline is difficult. The fearful people live on if-onlys. Only this, only that. I will be okay. Since the if-only never comes to pass, they usually never accomplish what they would like to do. The fearful are the defeated and the indecisive. And then, uh, we, we talked about uh, the area of sex and people who have been hurt in that area, uh, manipulated when they were young, touched inappropriately, uh, daughters being used as wives, 
and all and all of that. And then we in in the last episode we spoke about divine repairs and um does God have some repairs for us? Yes, he does. Paul wrote to the Romans, Roman Christians, about the Holy Spirit who helpeth our infirmities. Many of the modern translations use weaknesses or cripplings in the place of the word infirmities. One meaning of the word help has a medical connotation, suggesting the way a nurse helps in the healing process. So it is not, it is not simply to take hold of on the other side which is the literal meaning of the verb, but that the Holy Spirit becomes our partner and helper who works along with us in a mutual participating for our healing. He's walking with you. He's helping you take a step forward, another step forward, okay? What is our part in the healing of our damaged emotions? So quickly, the Holy Spirit is indeed the divine counselor, the divine psychiatrist who gets a hold of our problem on the other end, but hmm? let's see here quickly. But we, but we are on this end of it. So the Holy Spirit is holding one side. So are we. Just what are you and I supposed to do in this healing process? And we looked at this process, this procedure. And we're going to pick up from there. And it was this. Face your problem squarely. With ruthless moral honesty and with God's grace, confront that awful hidden childhood memory. However deep the feelings within you, you have to face your problem squarely. That it, that it exists. Acknowledge yourself and acknowledge it to another human being. Some problems can never be solved until you confess them to others. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. James 5.16 Some people miss deep inner healing because they lack the courage to share deeply with another person. That's so true. Accept your responsibility in the matter. And now, this was tough. But you say, I was sinned against. I was a victim. You don't know what happened to me. True enough. But what about your response? What about the fact that you learned to hate, resent, or to escape into an unreal world? You may say, my folks never told me anything about sex, and I grew up and I went into this evil world, innocent and ignorant, and got into trouble. That's the way it happened the first time. But what about the second time? The third time? Whose fault was it? Life is like a complicated tapestry woven with a loom and shadow. Heredity, environment, all the things experienced in childhood from parents, teachers, playmates are all of life's handicaps. All of life's handicaps. All these things are on one side of the loom and they pass the shuttle to you. But remember, you pass the shuttle back through the loom. And this action, together with your responses, weaves the design in the tapestry of your life. You're responsible for your actions. You will never receive healing for damaged emotions until you stop blaming everyone else and accept your responsibility. But yes, I had a part to blow that. Number three was, ask yourself if you want to be healed. 
Jesus often asks people, what do you want me to do for you? Do you really want to be healed? Or do you just want to talk about your problem? Do you want to use your problem to get sympathy from others? Some people are stuck there. They enjoy carrying this backpack of all the wrong things that happened to them. Any conversation, they open the backpack and they start their life story. There's some people you meet and they give you everything that's wrong that ever happened to them. Say, so, well, my leg, well, you know, when I was younger or maybe when I was a bit older, when I was 23, when I was this, this happened, or this happened, this happened. It's 20 years down the line, they're still carrying the backpack. I remember one time um, I had had an injury on my left leg. Serious. Needed crutches and all of that. Should have gotten surgery, but I kind of refused. And I remember that for about a, for about a year there, this issue with my leg was finding its way into every conversation I would have with people at the gym or after. Somehow, I will always find a way to weave back this injury into my conversation. One year later on, two years later on, I believe. I remember the Lord saying, Calvin, you need to move on. Like that thing never happened. Because the, the memory, you're always keeping it at your forefront and you're never going to be completely healed from it, actually. You always have it around. You always start every conversation. Somehow, if you're talking to people and say, yeah, I remember, like when I hurt my leg. I remember when I did this. You keep bringing it up into your conversations and it draws back a negative energy. It keeps that injury around that memory, let it go. You've been healed and to receive complete healing, you're gonna have to stop carrying this as a conversation starter so that you can get mercy, pity, sympathy. And that's what he's saying here. Ask yourself if you want to be healed. Do you want to use your problem to get sympathy from others? Or do you just want it for a crutch so that you can walk with a limp? My goodness. Number four, forgive everyone who is involved in your problem. This was the biggest, and this is where we are going to um yeah, most of today's episode is gonna be uh centered around this. This is huge. Okay. Wow, we've got a stacked lineup today. Holy Spirit helps. It says, forgive everyone who is involved in your problem. Facing responsibility and forgiving people are really two sides of the same coin. It says, facing responsibility and forgiving people. On one coin, it's the same coin. Face responsibility. On the other side of the coin, forgiving people. The same reason people have, the reason some people have never been able to forgive is that if they forgive, 
the last rag will be pulled out from under them and they will have no one to blame. Face this is so key. Facing responsibility and forgiving are almost the same action. In some instances, you need to do them simultaneously. Jesus made it very plain that no healing occurs until there is deep, deep forgiveness. And we're about to see an illustration. I had never seen this parable the way it was explained. We're about to see it. No deep, my goodness, no healing will occur in your life or my life until there is deep, deep forgiveness. Some people feel, and I've been there, I've had to forgive some strange, difficult things in my life. You feel like if you've forgiven, then what? It, okay, it's almost like something happened to you and you feel like it set you back three years or ten years. If you don't forgive, it always feels like you can have a conversation start. It feels like you have a crutch to lean on and, and people to blame and say, I am here today because this happened to me 10 years ago. So if you forgive that person and you can no longer lean on that excuse, what happens? Where do you go from here? What about the 10 years of your life that you lost? What do you do with that? How do you make up the difference? God. Many scriptures says, I'll restore the yaz that can come on at that the locust has eaten. So he's spoken about forgiving others. Then he counts and also says, forgive yourself. That is number five. These are repairs that we need to take on for healing of our damaged emotions. So face the problem squarely, acknowledge it, talk to people about it. Accept that there was a, a part you had to play, even if it was not initially started by you. Ask yourself if you want to be healed. Forgive everyone who is involved. That's four. Five is now forgive yourself. I've had to do this so many times. There's so many Christians say, yes, I know that God has forgiven me, but I can never forgive myself. This statement is a contradiction in terms. How can you really believe that God has forgiven you and then not forgive yourself? When God forgives, he buries your sins in the sea of his forgiveness and his forgetfulness. As Corrie Ten Boom said, he then puts a sign on the bank which says, no fishing allowed, meaning you cannot come back and pull that stuff up. No, move on. You have no right to dredge up anything that God has forgiven and forgotten. He has put it behind his back through an inscrutable mystery. Divine omniscience has somehow forgotten your sins. You can forgive yourself. And then, I love this one. Number six, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your real problem is and how you need to pray. This is this is what one of the things that has rocked me uh, the last couple of weeks is uh, when I read this book and uh, and then sharing it with you is 
when I started to acknowledge and saying, Holy Spirit, take me back in my life. Where are my, where are my damaged emotions? I want to go back into those infirmities of praying to them. Man, the Holy Spirit has been doing a number on me. This is so true. Ask the Holy Spirit. You see, if you don't follow this process, if you're not ready to be healed, the Holy Spirit will not show you the prayer that you need to pray. If you have not forgiven the person, forgiven yourself, um, the final touch in this process is for the Holy Spirit, says he quickens our infirmities. The Holy Spirit is the one now that will flow the healing balm of Gilead into that area of your life and pour honey where there was no sweetness and pour healing and comfort and restore that area. But until you go through this process, I believe the Holy Spirit cannot really reveal to you because it just means you're just not ready. Because in this process, this is step number six, is asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what the real problem is. You need to have forgiven yourself. And then you need to forgive everyone that was involved. And then you need to have come to place where you said, I'm ready to be healed. I no longer want to carry this issue as a conversation starter on every debt, on, on every person that I meet, and tell them about this area in my life when things just went south. He says, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your real problem is and how you need to pray. Paul say that often we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit prays in and through us and makes intercession for us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit uses a temporary assistant in the form of a human counselor who can help us to perceive what the real problem is. Sometimes the Spirit is able to do things through God's word or through some incident in life that suddenly makes us aware of our real problem. For it is important that we realize the true problem and know how we should pray. That is true. We need to realize that we need to know the true problem and how we should pray. It is so true. James reminds us that we sometimes do not receive because we pray for the wrong things. James chapter 4 verse 3. It may be essential for you to get help from a counselor or a pastor or a friend. Then together with this person, you can ask the Holy Spirit to show you where your real need is. We need to, the Holy Spirit is the one that can say, you may not know this, but when you are young, someone say this. And he will speak to you in visions and show you an image. I used to ask myself, sometimes maybe you might ask yourself, why am I having a dream of this part of me in my childhood? Why am I seeing a vision? Why is this memory coming back? That is the Holy Spirit speaking in visions and dreams. And he's bringing back these Images, these areas in our lives, never take for granted when you receive a dream or vision, especially from your past. Especially if it was an area of being uncomfortable, an area that caused your heart grief or pain. The Holy Spirit is telling you, this is still a sore wound in the depths of your heart. And you need to go in there. You need to go, you know, scrape it out. You need to go. 
It may have closed on top, but inside it's septic. It, it is still rotten. It did not completely heal. This is real. And the more that I start on praying these prayers, there's a, there's a new vitality to me in the spirit. Mm -mm -mm. You know, um, one of the scriptures says in Songs of Solomon, it says, capture the little foxes, those little foxes that spoil the vine. You see, you can be anointed to do great things. God can have a special purpose for you. And in this book, we see so many examples. Men and women of God being used. You're about to see that people that are on the outside, they look like a million bucks. But on the inside, they feel like a penny. Mm. This is true. And the more, these are the little foxes in our past, in our damaged emotions. These are the areas that we haven't gone in to ask the Holy Spirit to do a number on us. Oh, the Holy Spirit. I just, the Holy Spirit is my best friend. The fellowship of, of, uh, of entered the dimensional fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit that I've never had before. The Holy Spirit knows everything. The Holy Spirit knows the past, the present, and the future. You gotta rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is amazing. The Holy Spirit, listen to this. The Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, you can be at work. You can be at the grocery store. Always keep one ear open. Holy Spirit, what is going on? Never have, always keep the channel of the Holy Spirit connected. The Holy Spirit will, anything that the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, do it. The Holy Spirit is very interesting. As the more I get to know the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is very calm and gentle. But the Holy Spirit also does not push. However, the Holy Spirit, the moment you say, okay, help me take care of that, he goes to work. And the Holy Spirit, so you, you have to be, you have to start paying attention to visions and dreams that the Holy Spirit brings to your attention. And the Holy Spirit will bring them during different times of the day. It may not always be at night when you're sleeping. You might be in a meeting. You might be in a meeting at work. And all of a sudden like that, the Holy Spirit brings something. You're like, what does this have to do with the meeting that I'm in? The Holy Spirit is just telling you that this issue of your life is hindering a greater manifestation of the power of God in your meeting. Because what the Holy Spirit will do, the Holy Spirit brings back memories and recollection of things either 
back into the season that they happened or because think about it let's say someone lost a dear a dear one in the in the ring of their emotions that the date of that month becomes sensitive for them so even if it's been 10 years that that person lost uh, that special someone, 10 years kind of, it has faded off, it's gone away. Even on a day when that person may not realize they're going, they're going on, you know, with their business and they're going on with their, with their everyday life and doing whatever they, they got to do. In the subconscious, the emotions will still be triggered. So you may not know it. And it's until later on you're like, oh, oh, what's what's the day today? Today is the whatever. Oh, this is when so-and-so left and maybe passed on and things of that nature. So the Holy Spirit will does not bring these areas to us in memories of comfort. No, because that's not when that happened. When that thing happened, it created a season of discomfort or that, that um, kind of like when, whenever that tree fell, the Holy Spirit has to wait for a certain cycles or certain points during your day. And he will bring it. And when he does, write it down in your journal. And then go back, and it is your duty and I to go back and say, Holy Spirit, you brought this dream. Really? What, 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 what does it have to do? And you just pray into it and say, Holy Spirit, help me out. Because what the Holy Spirit needs for you is to just communicate verbally and enter into agreement in that moment that you're ready to be healed. If the Holy Spirit brings it to your attention and you don't say anything verbally, because it says with the mouth, with the heart, mind believes, but with the mouth. Confession is bent unto salvation. You need to speak in that moment by me vocalizing that yes. I remember back in class when I was this, there was this guy who was seated behind me, or she used to sit behind me, and she used to say certain things about me that I didn't like. In that moment, or later on at night in your prayer closet, you have to articulate that infirmity, confess it out loud, and say, Holy Spirit, Heal me of this. I break its power over me. I seal myself by the blood of Jesus. I rebuke it. I cast it. And do go, go into the, that other warfare stuff. But the Holy Spirit brings things to a calendar. The same thing that we saw with the trees. They were saying that the tree will mark that in this year, there was blight. In this year, there was famine. In this year, there was a flood. So. It knocks a season of your life. So you might find repetitive patterns that whenever something good is going to happen, a fear, a timidity comes into play. Because at one point, something good was going to happen in your life. Expectations were high, and then boom, something T-boned you. So now your emotions are sensitive. Anything. Any, any season of your life when something good is coming around 
you are tensing up. You're getting, your palms are sweaty. You're, you're, because in your subconscious, in the rings of your emotions, that heart is still there. So, and, so the Holy Spirit will show you. And sometimes what the Holy Spirit will do, the Holy Spirit knowing that you're about to enter a season of manifestation, the Holy Spirit can then start to bring these things to, uh, to your awareness beforehand. I used to have a fear of public speaking. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and now I'm on video. I'm on camera. I used to have a terrible, I mean, paralyzing fear of public speaking. And it took me years to, 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 to overcome it and, and to, 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 to get about it. And then recently, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, I was in a place and I'm like, I'm starting to feel jitters of the past. I'm like, that's not me. The chapter is closed. So I had to pray and say, no, 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 no. That part of my, that, that fear of speaking and that is gone. And so sometimes the enemy also, what, what Satan will do is that Satan will try to poke you around to see if you steal that old mindset. Or if you're, you're new, you know, you'll just come back around just to knock on an old door. It's kind of like uh, how you may, someone may go back, knock on their door, their ex's door and send them text messages. And then the ex is like, no, 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 I've moved on, I've moved on. Don't come in. It's the same thing. Satan sometimes think that because we used to be, we used to do things uh, uh, that line up more with his character. And so he sometimes thinks we're exes. So he may try to come and knock in and try to come back again. So you have to be like, no, 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 no. That chapter of my life is down. I don't operate like that anymore. But. The Holy Spirit, what I'm learning is healing is there 24-7. You might be in a meeting and an image, the Holy Spirit will give you a quick vision. It might even be like three seconds, in and out. And the Holy Spirit is communicating that this is an area of your life that is sabotaging your thinking patterns in this meeting. If you don't deal with it, you may never boldly speak out in your boardroom. You may want to say something, but you might feel timid and shame and cowardice because of this area in your life. Whatever the Holy Spirit, I can't even stress this enough. The Holy Spirit should be your best friend. I wake up now and say, Holy Spirit, you're my best friend. Holy Spirit, as you go, I go. I yield my spirit, my soul, my body, my mind to you. Manifest every dimension of you to me. Listen to this. This is the description of the Holy Spirit in John. The Holy Spirit has your game plan. You don't even need to do much. Jesus speaking, say, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I, that I say to you. In another part it says, but ye have the action of the Holy One, and you know all things. 
But the descriptions of the Holy Spirit really reveal to us who we're dealing with. Scripture calls the Holy Spirit, it says, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby. He's going to comfort you. He will help you. He will counsel you. He will intercede for you and with you. He'll be your advocate. He will strengthen you and he'll be on standby. The Holy Spirit, I want you to be very, very sensitive in this area. I have started to witness it. When you just yield to the Holy Spirit, invite the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, I yield. That's the thing with the Holy Spirit. Start by saying, because you might have forgotten what happened to you in your childhood. But tell the Holy Spirit, okay, if you see certain areas of your life where you, you see patterns repeating and you're like, why do I keep doing this? That's a good starting point. Now, that's when you say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what is going on. Reveal to me why is this happening. Okay. The Holy Spirit will definitely do that. I can confirm. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Is to reveal to us things that are to come. Things that are happening and things that have happened. Now, when the Holy Spirit, you have to notice how the Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit will either bring it as a vision, as an image, or as a dream. When he does that, that's when you're supposed to be spiritually um there's a word I'm looking for astute some anyway. You have to be spiritually sensitive that you capture it and remember um why this came up. And once the Holy Spirit brings it to you. He'll give you enough information to deal with. He might bring the image of the person. And in that moment, you will remember the name. What the Holy Spirit wants you to do is he wants you to break either a soul tie or a remembrance, a memory with that person or with that issue and words that could have been spoken by someone or words spoken by you to that person or words spoken by that person to you. So in that moment, you are to, to speak out loud in your prayer closet that I detach myself from this memory. This memory that happened with this person will no longer have power over me. The words that were spoken by this person over me will no longer be a snare in my life and they will not be a weapon fortunate against me. It will not prosper. By the blood of Jesus, I cut this off by the anointing of the, of, of the Holy One of Israel. This yoke is broken. This burden is removed. Holy Spirit, heal me in this area. And the more of these prayers that you do, it opens up your spiritual valves. It removes blockages. Because you see, you see, folks, in 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 First Thessalonians 5:23 says, May the whole ah, may the God of peace. Now sanctify you wholly. Then say spirit, soul, and body. When we become new creatures, um, 
the power of God in us, for Christ in us, the hope of God, but it says, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken our mortal bodies. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. This, this, this treasure is, is in the spirit. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. The innermost part of you is spirit, then soul, and body. The power of God, all the treasures, the power of the kingdom of God, and all that is locked up in the spirit. But for it to flow from your spirit, man, to manifest into your body, and outward, as the scripture says, out of your belly flows rivers of living water, it has to flow through this area called the soul. And that's why in First Thessalonians it says, may, may, the, may the God of peace sanctify you on three levels. Spirit, soul, and body. The God of peace. In First Thessalonians 5.23. Yes, and the very God of peace. Isn't it interesting that in this area of sanctification, it is saying the very God of peace himself sanctify you. Peace, that they, the, the, the initial, for us peace, we think peace, no war, or just peace of mind. But the original meaning of the word peace in the Hebrew is shalom. It's nothing missing, nothing broken. It's talking about the God of wholeness. Of every area of your life, a wholeness. Then it says, sanctify you wholly. Then it says, I pray that I pray God, I, and I pray God, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that has called you, who also will do it. So the Holy Spirit, for the power of God to be manifested from the spirit of God in us into our everyday lives, into our bodies, into our environment, it has to flow through this valve called the soul. And this valve is where this book is further revealing to us that in our soul, where there's our mind, our will, and our emotions, we can have damaged emotions, infirmities. The Holy Spirit, once we accept and he brings this area to us. He said, Holy Spirit, now heal me. Remember, the scripture says, even Jesus would always ask people who are blind, who are lame, what can I do for you? Redemption comes in acknowledging and accepting that you need help. So if you are randomly there and you receive a random imagery, you have to acknowledge to the Holy Spirit and give the Holy Spirit permission to go into that area of your life and flow and touch it, and heal it, and pour, you know, the healing balm of Gilead into that area of your life. But I'm telling you, you will start to feel better. You will start to feel lighter. I have never in my life felt more spiritually alive than I feel right now in this season of my life. The inner man has been so strengthened. My inner man Paul talks about the inner man being strengthened by his power, by his spirit in our inner man. I feel more vitality because I am unblocking emotional valves 
within my soul that have previously prevented the power of God to flow through me. I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, it is powerful. This is true. There's vitality. Um, there's a newness of life, a higher rhythm of life. There's more energy. There's my connection in the spirit is connecting stronger. I, I'm I'm just overwhelmed with the goodness of God right now. But these things start with with what we're seeing here. These areas of healing. The you and I need to start asking the Holy Spirit to touch us, to heal us. But the helper, the Holy Spirit is at your disposal. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. You could be cooking. And, and the one thing I realized, you don't have to go into one hour prayers. A five minute prayer, a one minute prayer. Once the Holy Spirit reveals something to you, you go to work. The Holy Spirit is just asking for your permission. Remember, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us that um, my, my, my. It says, Romans 10, 10. For with the heart, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you believe and then you confess. We have believed and therefore we speak. The things that are holding us back, I'm realizing, because you think about it, the body of Christ. Many of us even grew up in Christian homes and whatever. And we see cycles repeating and repeating. It is not that most of the prayers we have done are the spiritual, other warfare. We've broken curses of our lives. We've done the outward stuff. We've bound, we've cast, we've loosed. But you have to remember that just because um, you've fought off the thief, or the attacker who is trying to stab you with a knife, that person is gone. Doesn't mean that you don't have wounds that now have to heal. And I think that's a problem with the body of Christ today, a big one. And most people keep praying away the attacker. The attacker has left. It's time to switch the prayer to something else. Most people think that they're still held by a curse. The curse is broken. But the damage that was left in the man, in your emotions, that is where now healing needs to flow. And I think Satan plays this on us very many times. And we don't realize it. So most people are still going to prayer meetings asking, break me off of this demon. Break me off of this curse. Break me off of this. And they may not even realize that that has been dealt with. Now. We need to deal with the little foxes that spoil the vine. 
We need to spend time praying into these areas of our emotions. Because when the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, when the strong man entered into our house, when the forces of darkness came and rocked our lives, there was an internal record of that hurt, of that despair, of the rejection that happened to us. The thief, the murderer, the destroyer has left. However, there was a damage that was left on the house, on your mind, on your heart. This is where we need the Holy Spirit. To say, Holy Spirit. Just, and the Holy Spirit does not give very um, difficult instructions. Now, they might be hard in the sense of like, you, you know, they might take effort and, and faith and, you know, to put them into motion. But the Holy Spirit will gently lead you. Don't, don't despise your sensitivity with the Holy Spirit. Many a times, for instance, like the Holy Spirit will tell me for, for two weeks, a week, God, I say, message this person, message this person, and I'll put it off. And eventually the person will get back to me and I'll look like an idiot. So now I, I, I try, I mean, to act promptly. But the Holy Spirit, man, you think about it. You have access to someone that knows your past, your present, and your future. The Holy Spirit knows that if you are not healed in this area, you are going to mess up the next relationship. You're not going to be your best self. You're going to mess up the next job. We are the supernatural power of God has been made available but the valves through which it can flow are blocking it so many times as christians we think god has not supplied but we don't realize that our receivers are broken so we have to ask holy spirit what is causing this delay is it an internal hiccup or is it external does satan still have grip on this externally or does Satan have a hand on it internally on the damage that he left inside me? You need to ask the Holy Spirit. And those are the things you spend time praying. You need to be sensitive to the prayer environments that you go into. Not every prayer environment benefits you. Sometimes you get a, you get a step away from the big prayer gatherings where it is, it is the, the outside Bind here, loose here, cast here, break down, pull down, do all of this. And you know that I've gone through that phase in my life. What I need, I need an internal touch. I need the healing balm of Gilead to sit and touch me. And those, these prayers of the soul, as, this, as, as David has, has stressed out, when I'm realizing these are prayers that you need to pray sensitively, these are not loud prayers. These are not uh, gathering prayers. These are prayers in the solace of your quietness, on a walk, you know, just you and the Holy Spirit. And you kind of let down your guard. 
and you just let the healing balm of Gilead flow into that memory and wash it away. This is how sensitive this is. You need to submit yourself and have your own time where you, have, you allow the Holy Spirit to do surgery on you, where you sit down and say, Holy Spirit, I want to deal with this issue. This keeps on happening. You showed me a vision of this and that. I'm going to sit down for 5, 10, 15 minutes. I forgive the person. I send forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. I let go. Help me. And you let the Holy Spirit scrape you. And when he first scrapes you, it, it's hard. It's almost painful. You can feel it. And after that, the Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit starts to pat you back and put you back together and sew you up and says, that's enough for today. We shall pick up from here. There's a lot of self-healing and medication we can do with the Spirit of God, between us and the Spirit of God. You don't always need someone to lay hands on you. This is the power of God. It says, you shall not need that any man tell you, teach you. No, but you have the action of the Holy One and he'll teach you all things. They will know me from the greatest to the least of them because I've written my laws on their hearts. Well, many Christians think always that power for healing and empowerment is out there. No, you can do these things at home, in a quiet space. Create an environment. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in and work on certain things. It will be hard. But the Holy Spirit will give you a dose that you're able to, uh, to, to, to accept. And he'll touch you and he'll, he'll start to work on you. The Holy Spirit is the greatest weapon that... Man, the Holy Spirit is changing my life. The Holy Spirit gives you medication. Man, the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows when you're tired. Sometimes, many times, um, I might think that I need to eat this or that. And the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. Because of the activity you're about to do next, if you eat this, you won't have enough energy to do this. I know physically you're saying I am hungry and I need to eat I don't steak, chicken, I need to eat something heavy. The Holy Spirit would be, no, have a smoothie instead. Have a salad. Because the Holy Spirit knows if I, eat a, if I have a full belly, I'm going to feel uncomfortable doing the thing that I want to do, and I'm going to cry, and I'm going to do this. Says, trust me, eat the salad. You'll be supernaturally strengthened. And um, I had a cousin of mine. <laughs> he came over and he spent some time with me and <laughs> this guy would eat at all times of the day breakfast, lunch, dinner and all of that and he said <laughs> he said if I was not living with you I would think that there's some other stuff that you're taking. Um, he would eat more than me and will go work out, but I would have more strength than him. 
I'll have I'll out running, out working, way into the day, and he's wondering. He's eating to get strength. I'm barely eating, and how am I functioning? And I was telling him, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. When you wake up, you, you our bodies. Because of how we've grown up, we've, we walk, we've, we've always been tuned to breakfast and eat this and eat this. And so you've never allowed the Holy Spirit to show you uh, the supernatural abilities of the human body. You've never allowed the Holy Spirit to show you that you eat more than you should be eating. Even the scripture says, eat to the satisfaction of your soul, not your belly. That's a new dimension of dieting. Eat to the satisfaction of your soul. Once your soul is satisfied, you don't need to eat until your belly is full. Anyways, these are all things that you grow in. The Holy Spirit can help you in every area of your life. And show you step here, don't step here. And learn to trust in Him. Learn to trust in His counsel. And even when the Holy Spirit told you to do something and you didn't do it, and you found out that you should have done it, it's okay to repent and say, I know you told me to do that and I didn't. I apologize. I repent. I'll try to do my best on the next one. I'll remember to do it better, faster, next time. And keep it moving. No condemnation. So I think that the big takeaway for today, even as we ended up doing a recap, but I think it was worth it, is Asking the Holy Spirit to show you what the real problem is and how you need to pray. You're going to feel the valves of your soul opening up more and more and more and more and more. Man, it's awesome. The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you because you sent us the Holy Spirit, the Helper. You said, but the Helper. You said, I've told you these things while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Comforter, the Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be afraid. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your ministry. That you are the one who is present with us here today. Our Master, Lord Jesus. You seated in, in heaven, the right hand of God, but you're the one who's here. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now that for all of us that are listening to this broadcast, before we transition into the next episode and what we had planned to do today, by your leading, I trust that you had us spend more time to talk about what we have access to. I ask right now 
as I prayed at the beginning, that you'll open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive your instruction, Holy Spirit. There's many of us that are hurting right now, and there's so many areas. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you, who brings all things to our remembrance, who teaches all things, that you will touch each and every one of us that have tuned in today and whenever, whoever, whoever listens to this episode. You will help us and start revealing to us the areas in our lives. Give us an ear that will pick up when you're telling us, when you bring a vision or a dream that we need to deal with, an area that you're speaking to us to give you permission to go into the area of our lives and touch us and flow the healing balm of Gilead into that area of our lives. If it's rejection, if it is physical heart, if it is in our memories, if it is in our minds, if it is in our bodies, Holy Spirit, you know, but we don't. We have the assurance that we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray, but you helpeth with our infirmities. So Holy Spirit, have your way with us. As we continue studying this book, I pray and ask that you will reveal to us for as long as we're doing this book study and beyond. Areas in our lives that they're still damaged emotions. The things that are clogging up the valves of our soul preventing the spirit life from flowing into our bodies and manifesting into our world. Show us these things. Reveal these areas to us and give us the courage to say, I am ready to be healed. Give us the courage to forgive everyone that is involved in this problem. Give us the courage to forgive ourselves even in the name of Jesus. To receive your instruction. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your wonderful works that endure forever. Father, we thank you for your spirit, the spirit of truth, the, the revealer of mysteries and secrets. Master, we thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to abide with us, in us, with us, and amongst us. We are forever eternally grateful for the Holy Spirit who takes what is of yours and reveals it to us in the mighty, mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. Amen. Well, how about an applause for the Holy Spirit? Well, well, well. Our closing words of benediction. Since we pray the prayer, I'll just use First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three. Rejoice evermore. Pray without sin. 
In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Despise not visions and the dreams that the Holy Spirit is bringing to you from your past. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is, go which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace himself, of shalom, sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, the Holy Spirit, the soul and your body, be preserved blameless and to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with the holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Well, well, well. I want to thank you again for tuning in, your host for this show episode. Once again, my name is Calvin Cabanda. We hope that this episode blessed your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you from the evil. Thank you for tuning in and see you on the next episode.